So today, um, we're going to start and we're going to finish one whole book of the Bible. All right, we're going to go through the whole thing uh, all in one Sunday. And for some of you, that just made you a little anxious. You're like, oh no, this is going to be a long sermon. But let me tell you this, it's the shortest book of the Bible. All right, it's, it's 13 verses. It's, in Greek, it's like 300 words. All right, so uh, that doesn't necessarily equate to a short sermon, unfortunately, <laughs> but I'm going to try. I'm going to try and uh, kind of move through this quick. I won't cover everything, but uh, hopefully it'll, it'll be enough to get you kind of excited and for you to, uh, to read it yourself and to see the truth that God has in it for you. Uh, as we talk about truth, there's, there's some uh, videos that you've probably seen online if you've spent any time on YouTube, you've seen them. If you've looked at kind of popular news sites, you've seen them, the articles, uh, social media. They're those kind of what I would call like the, the truth is revealed type articles or whatever. Like all these things that we have uh, learned, you know, our whole life that we've kind of lived our life by, uh, they're not true. There's something out there that's, that's different that we can, we can learn from. And if we just do that, we'll, we'll make some progress in life. Um, most, of them, most of the ones I think about are weight loss ones, right? I don't know if you get these or if I'm the only one or whatever, but it's that guy who's like totally ripped and chiseled and he's saying like, stop running on the treadmill, you know, you stop eating salads, like you could eat pizza and you can look like this. You know, I'm like, Real? That, that sounds too good to be true. Like, what does he know that I don't know? Like, I like pizza. I want to look like that. Uh, what do I need to know? I've, I have never watched it further than that. I think that there's probably some funding I need to go out to, to get and to do, but um, I don't know. There's another one I saw this week where uh, this lady, I only saw about eight seconds of it uh, before I turned it, but um, there was a lady saying, I feel so bad for all these ladies trying to lose weight. I just put a scoop of this in my coffee and I've lost 35 pounds. I'm like, really? What do you know that I don't know? Like, I want, you know, I want to eat pizza and drink coffee and lose weight. That sounds great. Uh, the other one is like mosquitoes, you know, like uh, if you can kill all the mosquitoes on your block, if you just take 90 seconds and mix these ingredients, you can kill all of them. I should do that because I don't like mosquitoes. My wife gets, you know, bit all the time. I don't like it. But I should watch that and do it, but I just figure someone on my block is doing it. Uh, and so they're killing all the mosquitoes, so it should work. But you know, you've seen those things, right? If only you knew this, your life would be better. That's fine with weight loss and killing mosquitoes and all that, but there's also those videos on there about our spiritual lives. What you know about Jesus or what you know about the gospel, what your pastor has taught you is wrong, and then they kind of tell you how to have this new, profound relationship. If you just do these things, if you read this, then you will have this new spiritual life, kind of like a, a spiritual life hack, so to speak. Well, that's a little bit about what John is writing uh, his letter towards, to address those kinds of things. He's saying to the church that he's writing to that you have been uh, given the gospel. You have, you, there's a gospel that John wrote. He wrote the gospel of John, and you have been given that. That is the truth. That is what you need to know. If you hear anybody else coming alongside with a spiritual hack or some other way to have this deeper, more profound relationship with God by adding, subtracting, multiplying, or dividing, don't listen. He says, you have been given the truth. Stand in the truth. Walk in the truth. Live the truth. And be careful to guard yourself 
from those who are saying that there's another truth out there. So that's what John's writing about, and that's what we're going to look at today. As we open the book of 2 John, it's 13 verses, like I said. We're not going to read all of it, but I'll read it as we go. But as we see this, we want to see uh, three things. We want to love the truth, we want to live the truth, and we want to guard the truth. That's what we'll be looking at today. So, John, let's, let's just jump right into it. I'm going to save my other comments. Uh, I have too much on my notes uh, for this morning, but we'll just kind of jump right into it. But what is John trying to tell us? First thing he says is we are people that love the truth. In these first opening verses, he's going to use the word love and truth many times. You'll see it many times throughout here. And you've got to ask, like, what's the connection? So here's how the letter starts. Uh, verse 1, it says, the elder, that's kind of the greeting. We put that at the end normally, like, you know, sincerely, you know, Ethan. Uh, they would put that right at the front. So he's saying this is who wrote it, the elder, okay? And then it says, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all those who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. All right, so what do we see first? Uh, first, we see who it's from. It's from the elder. Uh, that's kind of his name. Uh, it is from John, we believe. Um, it's very similar to his gospel in 1 John and 3 John, uh, so we, we would believe that that's him. He is old by now. This is probably one of the last letters, if not the last letter written in the New Testament. So John right now, he's the only living apostle, and he's, he's definitely an elder. So that's him, okay? He's known by the church. He loves the church. They love him. Who's it to? It says, to the lady chosen by God and to her children. So who is this lady? Who's this lady that John is writing to? Uh, we don't know much about her, like where she's from. It doesn't give a city. It doesn't give her name. Uh, we don't know anything about her other than this is a lady who has some children. No husband, so maybe she's a widow. Now some, and like I have and probably like you, we would read this kind of at face value. Say, John's right into this, this single lady, a widow who has kids and trying to encourage her. That's really wonderful. Uh, and some commentators like Leon Morris, who I love and respect, he would say, you just, just read it at face value and just just uh, imagine that he's right into this lady. But there's a lot of people that say um, it's probably not to a lady. It's written to the church, right? And uh, as a lot of people in the Scriptures, they use kind of a feminine word for the church. Uh, that's what John's doing. Uh, Peter or Paul calls the church the bride of Christ, right? Kind of a feminine word. Uh, Peter, when he's talking about the church, he calls it a she, she who is in Babylon, this church. Um, we even do that, too. We talk about, like, a sister church that we have, you know, kind of a, a, a church maybe that was planted or a mother church that we have. So we, we do that kind of thing, too. So it could be, right? So what is it? Is it a lady or is it a church? I'm going to go with the church for a couple reasons, two other reasons. Um, one reason is because in English it's hard to tell, but in most other languages, when they say you, they have like a plural or a singular, but in our language, it's the same, right? I'd be talking to one person or all of you, and it's the same word, unless you're from the South, which is y'all, right? Which I'd actually prefer in the Bible. I, I want to see that because that would be really helpful uh, for reasons like this. 
But there's several references that say you, which is not singular, it's plural. All right, but there's also another verse in here which would be kind of troublesome if it's uh, John, who's an older man, writing to this middle-aged lady. It's in verse 5 when it says, And now, dear lady, I'm not writing to you a new command, but one that you've heard from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. You see, that would be maybe uh, kind of interesting. Is this a proposal? Is he wanting to date her? Uh, this is something, it's kind of an intimate language to say to one person. He's saying, now, here's a command from God that we need to love one another. That, that would be very interesting if it's to one person. But if it's to a church, it's a very normal thing to say. I would say that. I would say that to all of you. Hey, we need to love one another, and it's not very weird. So anyway, for those reasons, I'm going to say this is written to a church. I think there's a lot that we as a church can gain from it. So what does he say, right? He's expressing his love for this church. I mean, John has this profound, deep love for the church, the church that's founded on the truth of Christ, right? Founded on the truth of his word, living in the truth of the Holy Spirit. He has this deep love, and it goes through there all the time. And he says, I love you deeply, but not just me, but the other churches. Later on, in, at the end of the book, he talks about, you kind of have like, it's your sister's children, which kind of be like your cousins, right? Talking about other churches, other people, saying you have cousins and they love you, right? It's not just I love you, but the other churches. This is a community of love, not just for this one church, but for the churches together. I think about churches like Renew that uh, kind of came from us uh, nine years ago. They're in Brea. They took our spot over in the Curtis Theater. They're like a sister church. We love them, and they love us. All right, I think about Abel's church up in San Dimas, and just as the, the ministry that he's doing there at Redemption Bible Church, like the love that, that we have for each other, though maybe we have never met, maybe we, uh, we don't see each other all the time, but there's this deep love because we're like brothers and sisters or cousins, right? Um, we think about other Fullerton Free Church or First Fullerton or Magnolia Baptist, which is part of Sunkist Community. These are churches that we, we have had contact with, and we love them. We love them and they love us. It's this community uh, around us. And so being established in the church as we follow Jesus Christ, there's this love that not only invades the church, but invades the churches around us, right? So here's, he's kind of saying that, that, that when you love the truth, it just breeds love for other people. It's the normal thing that happens here in these churches. And what does he mean by church? Like he says that we are founded in the truth by, by this word truth, he's talking about uh, this being established on Jesus Christ. He's not just talking about, um, you know, saying uh, I, we're, we're a bunch of people that tell the truth, like we don't lie, like we're good moralistic kids. We, we always tell the truth and we never lie. We always say yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and we always pick up our socks and thank mom when we're doing our dishes, uh, thank her for the great meal that she prepared. It's not talking about just people that are truthful and moralistic people. He's talking about people that have been uh, changed by Jesus Christ. Their lives have been changed like we witnessed here today. I'm thanking God for you, people that are walking in the truth, that have been established with Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father be with you. As the church, like what's the church look like? What's the environment? What's the culture? There's this culture of grace of mercy, of peace that's established here. 
And so as John is writing to this church, this church that he loves dearly, he's so passionate about, he's asking for grace and mercy and peace to be within them. And as I read this as a pastor, like this is not a far stretch for me. Like I could see how John feels. I understand it. Because uh, I, why do I do this? Why do I stand up here, you know, most Sundays to to open my heart, to share my life with you, uh, to stand up with these lights on and a video uh, directed at me. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm an introvert. I, like, introverts don't like this kind of thing, right? This is not something that gives me a lot of energy and excitement, but yet I do it. Why? Because I love God, and I love Jesus Christ, and I love his word that speaks to us, and I love you. You're my brothers, my sisters. Maybe my nieces and nephews or grandparents, right? But we're a family. And I want you to know the word of Jesus Christ. I want you to be established in it. I want you to be encouraged by it. That's why we do this. It's not because of any uh, joy that I get from being up here other than to see God's word touch our hearts and change our lives, that we're changed by the truth. So I agree with, with John as he writes this. He has this profound love for those who are in Christ, their family, their brothers or sisters, what we have here. So as he starts this letter, he says we, have to, we start with loving the truth, but we continue. And he says now we have to live the truth, right? We, we got to live this out. It's not just something we have in our heads, in our minds, but it's something that we live in our lives daily. Look at verse 4. It says, that's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing to you a new command, but one that we've had since the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. So he's doing, he's talking about you have believed the truth and now you live it, all right? It's not just something that we, we Americans, we love it. We, we, we divide, you know, the, the truth and love. We divide our, our minds and our hearts. Like we kind of separate them. Like you can believe one thing, but you don't have to live it. But in this day and age, when John's writing back here, they didn't separate these things. What you believed you did. It's, it's really what we call a creed. All right, a creed, we maybe use that from time to time, maybe you haven't used it much. When we talk in church, you know, we talk about these creeds that we have, but creeds are something that, that we believe and that guide our actions. It's not just something you believe, it's something that you believe and it changes the way you live. So our creed here is that we walk in the truth of Jesus Christ, but the conduct is that we walk in the love of Jesus Christ. These two things go together. What we believe about Jesus Christ and how we live. So what do we believe about Jesus Christ? We believe that he is God. That God came down to earth. That he's fully God, fully man. That he came down at Christmas time. Right? That he was the perfect representation. That he, he represented us perfectly. He lived a perfect life. And that he died on the cross not because he ran out of luck or got, went down the wrong street sometime and got with a bad company. 
No, his, the love of God led him there. He went to the cross as a sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for us. He died on that cross. He was put in the grave, as we just heard. He was resurrected into new life. And he says, I have paid the price that you now can have my righteousness. You can be justified through faith in me. We put our faith in Jesus Christ, and we've been purified, been made righteous before God. And that one day when we meet God, that we will have the righteousness of Christ. We'll be wearing his robes, and we'll be welcome into eternity, welcome into the kingdom of God. That's what we believe. But what John says is now continue in that. He's like, I have joy because you are walking in the truth, right? And then he says this. He says, just as the Father commanded us. What does that mean? It means that you have been walking. You believe the truth, but you are obedient to God. And what are you doing in obedience? You are loving one another. Your creed and your conduct are going together. If you are in Christ, you are one who believes the truth of the gospel that we have, but you are also living it out. Seeking daily how you can love God by loving one another, by loving the people in your life, loving the people that are here in this place, the people that are in your family, the people that you go to school with or you work with or that you, you, you walk past in your neighborhood. Loving those people that God has put in our life. That's this conduct and the creed that go together. We've talked about this uh, a lot in our previous uh, several weeks as we were in the book of 1 John. And if you remember that, he kind of repeats himself many times, all intentionally, but to keep saying, to drive it home again and again, which he does here, that if you are in Christ, you are to be obedient to the Father and do what he says. And what does the Father say? But to love one another. We've talked about this in your small groups, and maybe you have too, and what this looks like. How do we love the people in our church? How do we love the people that are around us? And I would say this, like, we're not going to love everybody exactly the same, okay? We, we get it. I, and I say I want all of you to love each other, but I understand that some of you, uh, you're just going to be connected to some people more than others. Maybe it's because they're in your small group and you just spend more time with them. Maybe because you have kids that are the same age, and so you just kind of bump into each other at the playground and then Sunday school and all of that. Maybe it's because your stage of life, you're, you're single or you're married, and so you're with people your own age or in your same uh, lifestyle. Uh, there's maybe proximity, you live near somebody or whatever, but there's, there's different things that are at work in the church, I realize that. There's some people that you're going to get to know better. You're just going to have a deeper relationship. You're going to have more time with them, and you're going to trust them more. That's fine. Right? We're not going to trust everybody exactly the same. That's not what it means to love. But what it, what I, how I see this working out is that we're not going to bring these preconceived notions to the relationship. All right? Or just say, oh, they, I, I bet this person, they're, they're not like me. They can't think like me. They're too old or too young or, you know, they're too, uh, too right-wing or left-wing or whatever it is. It, 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 the world does that. It lets people stay divided based on what they look like or what we perceive them to look like. But not in the church because we're not going to do that. I understand that you're not going to have time with everybody. You're not going to get to know everybody all the same way. But how can you, even today, if you're sitting in line, if you're at a table, to say, hey, I don't know you. 
but I'd like to get to know you a little bit. Tell me some of your story. To come with them just open-handed, with an open heart, saying, I'd like, to, I'd like to get to know you. I'd like to hear a little bit more about what God is doing in your life. Maybe you want to have another conversation. Maybe you will. I'm not sure what that will look like, but how can you take these moments, like we have today, like a potluck, like every Sunday, just after the service or before, to get to know people and to love them, to not build walls, not to separate, not to avoid, not to ignore, but to come closer to people in relationship. I think that's what he's meaning by as you, as you seek God, as you, as you interact with the truth, to then interact with each other, to learn how to love each other, Learn how to come near each other in relationship rather than moving away. That's what our world does. Our world knows how to do that so well. But we in the church, we don't do that. We come near people. To say hi, to have a smile, to greet people warmly. Because we're all brothers and sisters. We're all loved by God. So as he moves through this book he starts with just saying we gotta we're, we're we're grounded in love loving in the truth but that love should affect the way that we live right keep living the truth but then the last part is what he says he says guard the truth and it's kind of an abrupt change as you go to verse 7 it's abrupt he was talking about love and kindness and brothers and sisters and now he goes into antichrist and deceivers so like, why, why the change, John? Why like the abrupt change? But it's because of what he said in verse 4. All right, we read it all over. We read it once before. It's a great verse, but it's also the verse of, this, of his warning. Look at what it says in verse 4. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded, some. All right, he says, some. I have great joy that some of your children are walking in the Lord. But what does that mean? There are some that are not walking with the Lord. And that rips the heart of a pastor apart. And I've experienced that. I've experienced that way too many times, more times than I'd like to, to even think about. That people that I have discipled or even baptized, people that I've walked with uh, sometimes for years in the faith, I've come to a point where I said, mm, I'm just going to back off. Go, they, they leave the church because they don't like what it means or what it represents or the people there or they, they're, they're um, kind of disenfranchised about Jesus and, and the commitments there or, or um, they just want to just see the world. They want to go back into the world and I've experienced that. But, but John is strong right here and he's saying keep the truth and don't let guard of it. Don't let go of it. Guard the truth. Look at what he says in verse 7. He says, I say this, right? What's he saying? That he's joyful because some are walking the truth. I say this because there are many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus as coming in the flesh, having gone out into the world. Any such person is a deceiver in the Antichrist. Watch out. And if he could bold this or underline it or italicize it or highlight it, he would. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ, listen to this, does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching, continues in the gospel, has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring 
this teaching, the gospel, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. That's, that's an abrupt change, right? You see what I'm saying? But it's true. It's because the same thing that's happening today, that people are leaving the faith or deconstructing the faith or whatever word they want to use, was happening in the first century. People had come in the church. They received the teaching of the gospel. They had received Jesus Christ. They were in the, in the community, but then they left. In his day and age, it was the Gnostics. Right? The Gnostics were coming, and they were saying, that's great that you believe in Jesus, that's cool, but um, come with us, we'll tell you more of the story. They would say that we don't believe that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. They'd say, if this was Christmas time and the song uh, we were singing, Mary, did you know? We wouldn't sing that song. The line that says, Mary, did you know that when you kiss the face of your little baby that you're kissing the face of God? They would say, that's not true. Because Jesus, when he was born, he was just a kid, like everybody else. It wasn't until he became, uh, when he was baptized, that's when the, the God came upon him and stayed on him until right before his crucifixion, because God can't die, so he left him there to die on the cross. But if you want to know more about how you can have this deeper relationship, you come with us. They were deceivers. And many people had left the church to follow them. And that's why John's saying this, that some of you have left. So watch out that this doesn't happen. His heart is for them. And he wants those people who have started in the faith to continue in the faith. And that's what I want too. And I know that's what you want. I want to see our children walk in the faith and continue in the faith. But he says that this world is destructive. There are deceivers out there. You have to pay attention. I'm glad that we have our high school in here, our high school students. Uh, some of you are going to be going to college soon. We're excited to send you out into college, but, but college can be a tough place, especially for the cults. Right? There's a lot of cults that, are in, that prey on, on college students, that are on college campuses, there's a, the, kind of the big one right now, the International Churches of Christ. I mean, it sounds good. Churches and Christ, they have that in their name. And international, that's wonderful. They have a worldwide mission, but they're a cult. So you, get, you have a college student who's away from family for the first time. A college student who's trying to find some friends and get to know people. You know, who's trying to find purpose and, and mission in life. And here comes these people, the friendliest people you ever met. Right, to take you to a group of the friendliest group of Christians that you ever met with a, a pastor who is like the most encouraging guy you have ever met with this mission that is like so wonderful. We're going to change the world. It sounds too good to be true. And probably because it is. It's deception. So I think John would say just because they say uh, they, have, they talk about Jesus or just because they have church in their name does not mean that they're built and founded solely on the gospel. It says, be aware. Pay attention. Be wise. Know there's deception out there. And don't fall for it. I'm not a math guy. All right, I'm more of an English or history than math, but um, some of you are. But I want to teach you a little math lesson. Here's kind of the... the, the Math of the cults, I guess you could say. Um, 
when you meet some of these cults, and by cults, what I mean by this is um, world religions would have like, they're not built on Jesus, right? Other prophets or whatever. That's a world religion. A cult would be someone that is built on Jesus. Like they say, yeah, we believe in Jesus, okay? So Jesus is part of their story. So you think, oh, they're Christian. But here's where you have to pay attention, all right? They, well, there's addition, subtraction, division, and multiplication, all right? Addition, some of these, they're going to add an extra biblical source of authority by a prophet, a book, or enlightened one. They're going to say, that's great. You have the Bible. That's good. That's good. Um, but we're going to add this one. We're going to add another book that we need to learn. Or these, uh, listen to all of these videos by our prophet or whatever. And that's, gonna, that's really what you need to pay attention to. So they're going to be adding things to it. Pay attention. When they say, here's another book that you got to know and memorize and highlight and learn and study, pay attention. But there's some that will do subtraction. And subtract from the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. They'll deny his deity and find his death inadequate for salvation. So like the Gnostics that were in John's day would say, well, Jesus is good, but he's not what you think he is, right? He's not the savior of the world. He's just a man. He said some good things. You know, they'll subtract from Jesus Christ. When you hear people subtracting from Jesus Christ, be careful. Pay attention. There's also division. They divide our allegiance to Christ alone and point us to a person or church above Jesus. Right? They'll say, if you really want to grow in your faith, you need to be completely committed to this church or this person. Your baptism ambassador, that's cute and wonderful, but that doesn't count. You need to be baptized into our group. Uh, your discipleship leader, your mentor at, at the church you grew up in, that's good, but um, you need to be with us. We need to mentor you. We need, you need to run everything by us. They're going to change that, um, that allegiance to somebody else, another church, another group. Pay attention. Or last, the multiplication they multiply requirements for salvation. They advocate for some work-based salvation. So that you believe in grace is enough to save you, faith and grace in, in Jesus Christ. But we, we really need to do a little bit more than that. That's just too easy, right? We need to go out. We need to do some evangelism. We need to keep doing these good works so that God will be pleased with you and so you'll find salvation. You see what I mean? Like, they're subtle. They're little. But all of those change or add to the gospel. What John is saying is that you have the gospel. You have learned the truth. It's not a new thing. It's an old thing. It's like the, the oldies but goodies kind of things, like the 60s radio or whatever. Like, that's it. You don't need anything new. All right, people today, they're looking for something new, shiny and glittery, spark, spark, uh, sparkly, whatever. But that's, that's the new thing. Hold on to that which is tried and true, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and don't add to it, don't change it, don't multiply, don't subtract, don't divide, but hold on to this. This world is a hard place. You need to be aware and be alert. And he says, he says too, he says, when, you, when they come, don't entertain them. Right, don't have them in your house. If it's, a, if it's a letter to that single lady, right, it would say don't house them, right? If it's a letter to the church, it's saying don't let them come up and teach. Don't give them a, a spot to, uh, to teach. Teach a small group or teach our youth. Like, you can't do that. 
and don't support them financially. This one's tricky. This one's tricky too because if you've seen people like you're in the parking lot, you're getting in your car and somebody comes up with some candy or something and says, hey, would you like to uh, support, you know, this, this church, you know? And of course, it's a church. Oh, they're, they're about gospel work and you want to give them some money to help do that. But are they? Do you know anything about this church? Well, this last, it was about a week ago, two weeks ago, I was uh, having lunch with one of our members. Uh, we were out in Fullerton. We we're at a sushi restaurant, and uh, these two girls come in, and one has a guitar, and one has a kind of a box and some postcards, and they go to everybody in the store, and they give them a little postcard, and they gave one to me, too, and the postcard says something about, like, uh, you know, hey, help support our church, you know, as we, you know, go into Christmas, we want to, uh, you know, um, kind of make a good message or whatever, we need your help. Um, and then they played a song. They, they sang Waymaker right in the middle of the restaurant, which is awkward. I'm just trying to have my sushi, and they're singing Waymaker and whatever. Um, but then they went around, and they, they took their box, and they were collecting money. And some people were giving money, like, oh, that's cool. I didn't give any money because, like, I don't know this church. And I'm in Fullerton, and they're from Long Beach, which seems weird, right? Um, I don't know who they are. Maybe they're legit. Maybe this is just a great way for some uh, college kids to raise some money for the church. But to me, it seems like it's just a little shady. And I don't want to give to something that is going to deceive people from the truth. I don't want to give to an organization that's saying, oh, we love Jesus, but we're going to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. So that some of our people would stop walking with Jesus. You have to be discerning. So as John writes this, he's saying, I'm writing to you out of love. I really, really care for you, right? And I'm so glad that you're walking with Jesus. I'm so glad that you've held on to the scriptures that you're remaining, but keep it up. Don't be deceived, right? When you see those other, those videos, when you hear people talking about, that's great, but what you really need is this, don't fall for it. They sound good. They're convincing, but they're lies. It is no longer the truth. Hold on to the truth. That was John's heart. He says there's stuff all around you that's going to deceive you, but hold on to the gospel. Hey, today you'll be maybe at home just kind of watching some football games. Maybe you're scrolling on your phone, and you're going to see something that says, you know, here's the real truth. Here's what your dentist doesn't want you to know about flossing. Go ahead and watch it. Maybe you'll, you'll never have to floss again. Maybe you'll find some new thing that'll just save your teeth and it'll be great. But if you see the video that says, here's what your pastor doesn't want you to know about the gospel. Here's what you need to add. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Why? Because you have the truth. What you're getting is not the truth. It's deception. Do not fall for it. Because you have the truth. The truth is the scripture. The truth is Jesus Christ. The truth is the Holy Spirit that is leading you to a deeper relationship with him.